Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Well, good morning, Thrive. Good morning, 1030. You guys came ready to go. All right, man. Hey, before we, we move on, uh, so excited for uh, what God's doing in the room today. And do me a favor. Can we welcome everybody that's watching online? Come on. Thank you for joining us online this morning. We appreciate you. And I, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm so excited for this building project. We're going to finally get started, hopefully soon. And so from your pastor, uh, we need your help to pray, okay? Um, obviously, we talked about the giving side of it, which, which we're not going to beat that on the head again. That's fine. Uh, but, but we really do. We need your help to pray. We're putting plans into the city, uh, getting the team together. And, and I really believe that God is positioning us to be a regional influence, to not just reach just Lathrop, but also Tracy and Stockton, uh, Modesto, Manteca. And, and, and part of that is we're going to make some space. We're going to make room. And, and we're not going to make room because we want to be a cool church and we want to be a big church. That's shallow. That's pointless. Uh, we're going to make room because I really believe that God transforms people's lives. I believe that God wants to use this house and he wants to use other churches as well. It's not just us, but we're going to steward what God's given us. Wants to use this house so that way families can be restored, that lives could be transformed by Jesus, that, that could revival could break out through this church, and, and that people could know who God is in a real way. Does that make sense? Yeah? And so that's why we're doing it. I'm excited. We got to pray. We got to get ready. And today, um, just to kind of segue into that, um, so excited to be concluding our Your Story Matters series. And we have none other than our very own worship pastor, Pastor Juani Richette in the house. That was an amazing set, by the way. Great stuff, bro. Oh, come on. Come on. And, and we, we had a lot of fun at 9 a.m. And so we're going to try to tighten it up a little bit, but yeah. it's probably not going to happen. Um, <laughs> Uh, wishful thinking. Hopefully. Yeah, wishful thinking. Me, me and Pastor Juan, we, we've known each other now for, for 12 years now. One of my, one of my dear closest friends, and um, we, we have a lot of fun together, and we, we joke around probably way too much. Uh, how many of you remember COVID? We, we, we started like a podcast. During, everybody's like, of course I remember COVID. <laughs> well, what question's that? Right? Someone comes in the room, what, what was COVID? Oh, what was COVID? How much time you got? You know, yeah, like, you know. No, during COVID, we, um, we, we did like a podcast. We were just trying everything because, you know, how many know that COVID was crazy and uh, everything was up in the air. And so we, we were doing podcasts. We were doing online church. How many remember parking lot church outside? Yeah. So you did, uh, some of y'all don't know this, but we did parking lot church. We built like a Royal Rumble arena on top of the trash can. Yes. Some of y'all even know that that's a trash can. And we used to do church on the trash can. Yeah. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, radio broadcast to the cars. Radio broadcasting, drive-in church. <laughs> we were just missing popcorn. You know, it was, it, was, it was wild. It was wild. Pastor Juan leading worship, the sun beating down on his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was intense. And, um, but, but we did the podcast, and uh, most of the time it was me and Pastor Juan. We would go back and forth, back and forth. And we'd, we'd, I felt bad for Pastor Eric because he would get distracted by us going back and forth, back and forth right, on the right. podcast. So we're, we're going to do that today. But, hey, before we uh, jump in officially, go ahead, Pastor Juan. Tell us about yourself. Um, who are you? Married? How long you've been here at Thrive? Just go ahead and share a little bit about yourself before you jump in. 
Yes, I've been at Thrive since 2016. That's when I officially came on staff as worship director. I eventually got credentialed through this place, though, so now I'm a pastor, which is super awesome. So I've been here for a little while. Um, I brought my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. We were just talking very seriously. You know what I'm talking about? We're serious, you know? And um, in 2017, we got married, so she came through. It's my wife, Tori. Where you at? There she is right over there in the front row with the blue hair. She was singing earlier. That's how we multiply. We That's just, how we, I mean, come on now. You know, you date someone from another church, and then they, you get <laughs> married. and Well, somebody's got to, you know, yeah. one person's got to come to the other person's church if you had different churches. So <laughs> she came to mine. Praise Jesus. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Yeah, bro. So it's cool. She next time you see her in about three months, she'll have a different color hair. You know what I mean? So every shade of the rainbow, it will happen in her lifetime. So yeah. So yeah, I love I love being here, be doing worship, man. I love it. It's yeah. it's so cool. Actually, through our friendship, you recommended me to Pastor Eric, yep. and then he, of course, he took me to Mikasa with the whole interview. And praise God, it all worked out. You it know, what did. I'm saying? <laughs> it did. Yeah. The, um, I would. We were needing someone to help with worship at the time. And uh, fellas, some of you in the room that are married, remember the days where you got to pay your wedding ring off? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so yes, I would sir. go to, to, to K because every kiss begins with K, you that's know, right. so that's why I went with. That's right. Every bill too. Went with K. They didn't even pay me to say that. It's not like they're tithing here or nothing. Uh, but I, I went, I would go to K and I would go to the Stockton Mall and Pastor Juan would have like a different job every six months at the Stockton Mall. Uh, so I, I was just, there for like five, six years, bro. Once you get your foot in the door, you meet this manager at this store. You get plugged in over there. Then you move to this store. They're paying you more. I was at T-Mobile when I saw you at K because it's right outside K. That's right. That's right. And, and <laughs> I was in a full-time grind. I was, I was the annoying guy at the kiosk pulling people over. Hey, bro, what's up? What service you got? AT&T? Ah, bro, I'm in the contract. All right, have a good day, bro. Have a good day. <laughs> All that. I was that guy. It was... The struggle was real. And I was wondering why, but the Lord had a plan. The Lord knew. The Lord knew. And, I, and I, I, to this day, like I, I said this earlier, like he would work at T-Mobile. He would work at AT&T. And then there was a season where he worked at Shoe Palace. Yes, sir. And I was like, I'm so bummed because now I'm a sneakerhead. And so I could have used that plug back then. Yeah, I could have got you, bro. But now he works here. Come on. So it is what it is. Man. But I'm glad that we were able to connect. And thank God for my wife's wedding ring. Yeah. That we were able to connect and you started worship here. And, and Pastor Juan, I think you're doing an incredible job. Um, Thank you, bro. What I, I've told some friends this weekend, I was at a conference uh, with pastors in our church network. And one of the things I told them is uh, one of the joys I have of lead pastoring is I get to lead pastor really with my closest friends, some of my closest friends. And uh, Pastor Juan, you're definitely one of them. And um, to, to see what God has been using you. You and Pastor Maribel did worship for a few years together. Yes, and yes. then for you to take the reins full on this year. And, and, and to what you're really not just in charge of running a worship set. I want to make that very clear. Pastor Juan's responsibility is to establish and create the worship culture here at Thrive. And to steward, really help steward the presence of God and the people of God encountering the presence of God. That's the job, yeah. right? And then there comes a bunch of other stuff, like being a good drummer and all that good stuff, whatever. Yeah, teaching young people, you know. Yeah, all that Shout fun out stuff. to my young guns that are learning right now. Dante, Steven, I see you. <laughs> that was a free shout out. That was great. I love those No boys. pressure. Okay. Uh, but but I, I appreciate it because, Pastor Juan, I believe that, that even recently God is just bringing a, a wave into this house. And, and I don't know if you felt it, family, but the presence of God. Like there's some Sundays where it's so thick in the room. 
and, 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 and literally, we're hearing stories of people um, driving, not planning to come to church, never came to thrive. They see the sign, their heart, something starts stirring in them. They pull over, come to church, come to the front, and they're weeping in worship, and they don't know why. Come on. Like, guys. Amen. I love Pastor Juan, and he's, a, he's like the Elvis of worship leaders. Come on. <laughs> I never heard that one, bro. You know, like, like the emotion, you know, it's like he's just going for it. He is not cool enough for that to happen. Nah, come on. That That's... only happens when Jesus is in the room. And Jesus. So, so, so Pastor Juan, I, I, I admire your heart, and, I, and I, I, I thank you for what you're doing, and, and you're such a huge part of this place, and I appreciate you. And so Amen. let's jump into the story part. Let's, let's go into your life, your story. That's why we're really doing this. Yeah. Uh, and so let's go ahead and share. Growing up, what was it like before Jesus? Go ahead and jump into your story. Yeah, so for me, um, I grew up with the older brother. He's seven years older than me. And my mom and my dad, they were uh, teenage parents. They had my brother, like, super young. You know what I'm saying? And um, so by the time I come around, they're kind of still living a lifestyle of kind of my mom isn't saved yet. And they're still kind of partying. And my dad ended up joining a gang lifestyle when he went inside prison. He came out. He was just never the same. So he couldn't quite uh, keep a job. Because he was kind of loyal to the gang and to the streets, and he just was really legit when it came to it, sadly. So I remember growing up as a kid, we'd always celebrate him getting out of prison, and he'd be a little bit more swole, and he'd come home, and, and my brother would try to pick him up, and he couldn't. And then he'd go back in because of uh, violating his probation or something, and about eight months later, he'd come out, and my dad'd be a little bit more buff, because all you'd do is work out in there and eat spread, apparently, and <laughs> get bad tattoos every once in a while. And... um. Then my dad would come home, bro, and we would celebrate, and it would be cool. You know, dad's home, yeah. So that was a cycle where he was always in and out of prison. That was normal. And so my brother grew up following in the footsteps of dad in and out of juvenile hall. So I never even really got to grow up with my brother a whole lot. When he was home, we would wrestle and have fun. He's older than me. He'd, you know, be cool with me. But he was always in and out of juvie, doing his thing. Following your dad's kind of way. To to the T, you know. Sure, But then my mom gets radically saved. And my mom's here this morning. Shout out to my mom. Come on, mom. Yes, Mama Michelle, she gets radically saved and straight up delivered, man, from all of the party lifestyle, from and in, everything. In Salinas, because you're from Salinas. So, yes. Yeah. So yeah, from Salinas, saved. California, kind of by Monterey, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so get saved, radically saved. Yeah. And so then where do you come in? Because we haven't got to you yet. Well, she then prays for another kid, you know, and then so she prays for me and has me. And it's cool because then I get to grow up with her being saved. Mm. So the trajectory automatically from the way my, my dad was, my brother followed in a straight line to, to, to my dad's path. My path was already different because of my mom's yes to Jesus. Wow. So it shifted it. So I got yeah. to grow up being a church kid, y'all, doing all the lessons and all that. And Stealing the, communion and all that fun oh, stuff. Oh, drinking the juice in the back. And, <laughs> oh, the crackers, finding out where the goldfish is at and doing the lessons and being a buckaroo, having to memorize Psalm 23, say it in front of the church. I've never forgotten that passage. It's yeah. awesome. What, how the word will get in you through yeah. these things, yeah. right? And then it's crazy because being a church kid, it was a lot of fun, but then when I would visit my dad, I would look up to him because, like, in, in a child's eyes, like, my dad was my hero and my older brother. Right. And I knew that he lived a different lifestyle. So I, it almost felt like there was two different lifestyles that were happening, and it felt like, like a, a war over my own heart of, like, what would I choose, you know? Right. 
what would I choose what I was learning about in the church with Jesus or would I end up putting myself in a position to follow dad and my brother? And I knew I didn't want to follow them. And my brother never wanted me to join the gang. He never wanted me to do that. He just wanted me to party and smoke weed and talk to girls. That's what my brother wanted me to do. And he was cool with that. He would take me to the studio with them. So then um, as I grow up, I'm getting in trouble in public school. Like it's rough in Salinas. Like at the school I was at, kids are fighting, all kind of stuff. So in fifth grade, my mom's like, it's bad for you. I'm putting you in private school. Um, <laughs> our church, we had just moved churches. They had a K through eight. So I get to go to that because we qualify as we're church members and um, they bless us a lot in order for me to go. Yeah. All these other kids paid a lot of money to be there and me and my mom got blessed. And the principal always thought I was a bad apple infecting all the kids because all these kids paid the money and me and my mom, look at Juan, there he goes again, getting in trouble. And <laughs> I was always in his office, it was tough. But you know what happened is in sixth grade, I'm going to the school, I'm going to the youth group, I'm encountering God slowly. Where I'm at youth nights, I'm observing kids worshiping, kids on fire. My youth group was lit. They had so, um, a skate ministry. Yeah, so elementary school all the way to middle school. You're, you're all in. Yeah, yeah. You're doing the church thing. And like you said, Absolutely. I, I want to I stop real quick because uh, I think there's some people in the room who have experienced this or you might be experiencing this now where you live in this tension or your kids might live in this tension mm. where you're serving the Lord. Maybe you come from a divorced family or you're in a divorced family and then they go to mom and they go to dads or they go to moms and they're living in a place where they're not serving Jesus. Like yeah. you said, this, this yeah. spiritual war, the spiritual tension over your life. But, but I just want to encourage someone in here mm. that um, don't give up, come on. like hold the line in that because without, you know, Pastor Juan's mom doing that, like Pastor Juan was going back to dads and seeing all sorts of craziness or whatever, uh, but he would come home. And he was going to church. He was there consistently. Or, or he was, you know, they were reading the Bible. They were praying. He was in it. Like, look at Pastor Juan's on this stage today. And so even if it feels like all of every, I think sometimes we, we, ha, we believe that everything has to be perfect around us for it to work. And I want to tell you that sometimes it's okay that it's messy and it's chaotic. As long as Jesus is at the center as long as Jesus is, is really the thing you're, you're anchoring everything on, and, 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 I, and I honor that so much. And, and even if the tension's real, it's okay. God's greater than the tension, if that makes sense. So go ahead. Sixth yeah. grade, fifth, sixth grade. Um, and you shared this a little bit this morning. We've talked. So yeah, yeah. You, you're probably going to go into, you start to now probably just lock in with church, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to youth nights. I'm slowly encountering God or I'm observing other people that are older than me at my age going after Jesus. And I'm not fully there. But I'm observant, and God's moving, and I'm starting to get interested. And then in sixth grade, something traumatic happens where my mom and dad had divorced when, when I was, like, in second grade. So I grew up with just pretty much mom up until a certain point because when I go to dad's house, I'd see things. I'd tell my mom. My mom's like, you know what? It's not a good idea for you to go over there. And that really hurt me because yeah. I wanted to see him, but that so was wisdom on her part. Right. So you stop. So you don't see dad for a little bit. I you don't see him. For about how many years? You don't see so dad. So, like, all the way, like fifth grade, going into sixth, like a year. Okay, it so feels a year, like. year and a half. Okay. And then in sixth grade, um, my dad had another lady he was with. They had three kids. They were serious. They were doing their thing, right? And um, he's with her one night, and they go out to Salinas to a bowling alley. And um, my dad saw somebody that he had beef with kind of from his prison days, and he wants to fight this dude. So he goes into the bathroom, follows the guy to fight him, and it turns out the guy has a gun on him. And the guy shot my dad in the side of the head, kind of in the back, kind of back in that area. And so my dad's rushed to the hospital. He's put on life support. And my mom and I have no idea. And so my mom gets a call later that night, 
And um, they let my mom know that my dad passed. There was nothing they could do. He was put on life support. And I heard her cry. It was like one of the worst cries I've ever heard, you know, coming from her. And I knew something was wrong. And the next day we met with our pastors and she had to tell me, hey, Juan, I'm so sorry your dad passed away last night. And I was so mad because I wanted to see more of him. You know, and I felt like he was taken. And um, we were hoping that he would get saved again, maybe come home. There was a lot of hope there. So when that happened, I was still going to youth group, but I was very broken on the inside. And I won't blame anything that I got into when it came to sin on that specifically. But what I will say is that made me more prone to just messing up a little bit. And thankfully, praise God, that season was very short in my life where I kind of fell away a little bit. But it's crazy. I actually was a sound person at 15. That's what I first started doing. And this was during the time when I was hurting. But I would sometimes be under the influence of alcohol, learning sound sometimes. But God was working on me. And um, little did I know I wasn't called to be a sound man. I was called to be a musician. But I wasn't playing anything yet music-wise. So then all of a sudden I'm failing high school. My mom's like, I went to public high school, met a bunch of people who know who my brother is because my brother raps too. And he was really popular. I didn't even know it. I knew he was dope, but I didn't know he was like that when it comes to people knowing him. So when I go to public high school from my little Christian junior high to public high school, I made all these friends because they found out who my brother was. And to be honest, they didn't even want to be my friend. They just wanted to be my friend, hopefully, to meet him. And a lot of people in, in that high school, man, it was really rough. There's a lot of kids who grew up with probably a dad or a brother like me, and they already are like grooming themselves to be in the gang. They're already fighting. They're, they're already clicking up. Themselves. They're trying to live that life. Yeah. Absolutely. And I wasn't trying to live that life. I just played basketball, wore G-unit clothing at the time as 50 Cent was hot, and did things like that. <laughs> just played video games and wore Echo, you know what I'm saying? Echo. Oh, goodness. <laughs> His high school, bro. It's back in the day. His high school. <laughs> Fat Farms were in. It was crazy. Fat Farms were in. Yeah. Them little I shacks, had a pair, too. Bro. I have to repent on stage. I had a pair, too. <laughs> Come oh, my on, goodness. Bro. And then Come you on. put, like, the rubber band, you know? Yeah, the rubber Anybody? band on the jeans, bro. Yes, bro. Oh, my goodness. Young people don't know nothing about that right now. I'm, every generation has something really dumb about their clothes. Absolutely. Ours was definitely the baggy jeans with the rubber band. Yes, Because you didn't sir. want the jeans to rub on, like, your Air Forces and get right. them dirty. You know what I'm saying? I wanted people to see my shoes, you know what I'm saying? With the rubber bands, they helped that. Exactly. But it was dumb. You're right, bro. <laughs> So that was high school. So then it was yeah. tough for me. I kind of slowly fall away because then. Because you're making the wrong, you're making I'm the, making wrong, the friends. wrong friends. And, and I, I, you share, share that story, which you shared first service about uh, you're in class and with, with, with the girl and she's, <laughs> yeah, she's really. listening to her headset. Go ahead and share that story because I yeah, think that I mean, gives some context. I'm in the, the math class where it's all bad. You know, Pastor Jason talked last week about being in the advanced uh, abstract math where <laughs> numbers are letters, bro. I was in the lowest math ever, bro. <laughs> So we had the opposite testimony, Pastor Jason. It's hilarious. In high school, bro. So I'm there, and guess who's there? All the little homies who don't care about school. Everybody looks like a little homie figurine. You know what I'm talking about? They're carrying themselves. Like, literally, like, bro, I'm growing up, and it's like blood in, blood out in person. The mini-me version. For real. And I'd already grew up in blood in, blood out. That's my family. That's my dad's side. So then when I go to high school, I'm like, oh, I see what's going on here. I'm not going to mess with none of these people because they'll all jump me if I make a joke about them or something. So I'm just a normal kid. And then I'm sitting next to this girl. Her name was something strong. Like, I'm not even going to roast her name. I'm not going to roast her name. I'm not going to roast her Because there's going to be someone here. There's going to be someone here. And you have to say sorry later. Don't yeah, do I'm at the repent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just know that she was strong. and She was known for fighting girls. She was legit. So I was cool <laughs> with her. That way... Because yeah. in freshman year, I'm like 5'7". She's about as tall as me, so she could take me down. You don't want the smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had hands. And, she um, 
For real, for real. My, my high school was every day there was a fight. And so I make friends with her, and then I'm like, hey, what are you listening to? We had the Walkmans. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little Walkman with the CD. You can't get too crazy. It'll skip. It'll scratch. <laughs> so come on now. So I'm like, hey, what are you listening to? I'm trying to be cooler. And she, she lets me use it, and it's my brother's music. And I had no idea people knew who my brother was. And um, I gave it back to her. I'm like, hey, that's my brother's music right there. And I'm just a normal kid, you know. And she's like, shut up, fool. That ain't your brother. Like, what? Hey, fool. Hey, Tito. This fool says he's Pat Kasperlok's brother. Come over here. I'm like, oh, Tito coming over. That's a big dude right there. I don't want no problems with Tito. I don't know if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing. And they're like, hey, that's really your brother? I was like, yeah. And I was worried, like, is that a problem or is that a good thing? I just, I'm telling the truth. You know what I mean? And Tito was like, that's what's up, fool. Boom, come here. And then we were friends after that. So now I'm friends with all these little homies who only want to be my friend because of my brother, but I felt kind of secure because if anybody messed with me, I got them, you know? And, uh, but, that, but then because they skip class, I start skipping class. I go from doing all right to just Fs. So after freshman year, my mom's like, you're being homeschooled. It's bad for you. There I'm going to do my best. Sophomore, yeah. junior, senior year, I'm homeschooled. It was incredibly challenging. All my friends I had, gone. Um, I'm literally alone. Mom's doing her best to put food on the table, working eight plus hours. Yeah. And what am I doing? Halo 2 had just came out. Video games was cracking. I was on Xbox Live. I'm at home unsupervised, basically. And I'm supposed to be handling my business, but I'm not. I'm failing. I'm still hurt off my dad. Sure. I'm wondering, am I going to turn out like my dad or like my brother or a lesser version of them? I'm really fearful. My brother starts taking me to the studio with him. To, and I get to see music behind the scenes. And that's kind of interesting me, but I'm kind of scared because anything could happen when you're right. hanging out with people like that. Right. Every, right. Anytime my brother walks down the street, like, he would always be aware of his surroundings because he lives a lifestyle. You know what I mean? So yep. I was like, man, if I keep putting myself in this position, this is really crazy. My brother got shot at one time. His friend came and, and sought my help. Mom doesn't know this. Um, <laughs> he called me. <laughs> I take the trash out, and he was shot. And he's like, hey, Weedy. My little childhood nickname was Weedy. Uh, my dad said, you need a weed whacker to cut my hair. And so they just called me Weedy. Hey, Weedy, come help me. And I'm like, hey, mom, I'm going to throw the trash out, all right? Jason was out there, mom. He was Jason shot. Jason was out there. My brother's friend, he was shot. And I was like, I just hey. hilarious. Your mom's finding this out for the first time. For the first time. All right. Sounds She's good. in the living room. And my mom was on me. But I'm like, hey, I'm going to take the trash out. And I'm like, hey, Jason, you're shot? Wow, bro, that's sad. Are you okay? He was only shot like in the side, you know? This is a true story. I'm not even playing. I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'm 16. I'm like, yeah. bro, I, mom's going to get me in trouble. I can't really do nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do for you. You're going to be all right? Yeah, you know, Weedy, I'll just walk. I'm cool. And he ended, he ended up being okay. okay so, man. bro, like, blood in, blood out, for real. So I'm wondering if I keep hanging out with these guys, it's fun, but it's dangerous. It's what true. am I doing with my yeah. life? Yeah. And then I just felt hopeless because I started video game and wanted to go pro, whoop-de-woo. All that died. My mom's like, you're not going to Chicago to go play yeah, in some tell, tournament. Tell that story. Explain that story. Yeah, bro, I'm playing Gears of War online, the first one. I'm on a team. This is the most millennial conversation you're going to hear <laughs> all day. My, my, my teammates and I, MLG, picks up the game. It goes on the Major League Gaming circuit. It wasn't what it is now. Right. Now kids are winning life-changing money. We were playing for bragging rights. It was like 8000 for first place, and you split it four ways because you're a four-man team. So I'm like, Mom, what's up? Let me go to Chicago. Let me go to this tournament. Da -da -da. So there's a tournament in Chicago. Yeah. She's like, you're not you know going these... with random men yeah, on random the Internet. Dude all, random dudes all over. 
And they were playing with you online. Yeah, yeah. I had a teammate in Texas. I had a teammate in Atlanta. I had a teammate. Yeah. And they want you to go with them to Chicago. Yeah. And you've never met them. I've never met them other than talking with them on the line. <laughs> but they were good at the game. So then I tell them, hey, bro, it's bad. My mom won't let me go. I'm so sorry, you know. And so they end up getting another fourth, and they go pro without me, and now I'm sad. And two of my teammates to this day, they stayed involved with the gaming industry, and they're now that's their job, full-time they're, job. They're now full-time casters. Like when you watch like uh, like a Call of Duty, they're at the front desk. Yeah, Pastor Chris, let's talk about how this team did today. Like they're doing that, like with the headsets on and all that. So if I would have did all that, the Lord knows I probably would have been involved in the gaming industry, which would have been cool. But God had a different plan of your ministry. From, your mom heard from Jesus. My mom heard from Jesus. <laughs> she had just bought me a guitar that I wasn't touching because I was playing the video game. And she was like, she just knew. And the Lord had a call of ministry on my life, which I'm still going to use gaming for Jesus now that I'm older. But ministry was the first call. <laughs> ministry was the first call. And so, bro, I felt hopeless. That died. Everything died. I'm failing. I'm in, I'm, I'm, I have all Fs. Okay. So speaking of Jesus. Yeah. Because we got to bring him in. We got to bring him in. But you got to paint the picture of the distraction, the hopelessness, the right, aimlessness. Right, and I, and I think that's important, right? That, that's what we do that, as humans. And if you are doing this or you're in this, there's no judgment. I believe that God wants to heal you and set you free. You will find anything to distract the hole and the pain in your heart. Come on. And I want to tell you today that the only thing that will heal, I believe, the only thing that will heal that hole in your heart Really, like counseling can help, therapy can help, good, good self-help books can maybe help, but I'm talking healing and transformation. This is why we do this here at Thrive, because we believe true healing and freedom comes from a man, and his name is Jesus, and it's because he died on the cross, and he resurrected, and he came to give you life, and he, it's only him that can make sense of the pain, yes. and so all through it, these are just different facets of the distraction. Absolutely. But also at the same time, what you said, it's a divine setup for what God's about to do in your life. So tell us, how does Jesus come in? How do you yeah, start following man. him wholeheartedly? How do you get transformed, radically saved? My youth pastor, Ronnie Van Varden, shout out to him. I love that man. Mentored me so much. He would preach Jeremiah 29, 11 so much. Like every other sermon, he'd weave it in, talking about, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? So I'm hearing it and I begin to like, feel God at this youth services, at the youth nights, but I'm not responding yet. I'm kind of sitting in the back. I'm with my friends. I'm, I'm caring a lot about what they think. I don't want to worship. I don't want to be seen singing. And, but God is moving in my heart little by little. Like he, like, and, and God's moving in other students. And it was powerful to like just witness that. And I've grown up in a Pentecostal church. My mom would be laid out with the women in the church till like midnight, laughing in the joy of the Lord. Y'all would be getting it in. And so I've seen that. I've known what the presence of God looks like in people, like in a Pentecostal way and right. with the Holy Spirit. But I'd never encountered it myself or allowed myself to encounter it. But sure. slowly God's working on me. And then this evangelist comes to youth night preaches i don't even remember the dude that's what's crazy i don't remember his name um i just remember he was like a hispanic dude looked kind of like me or whatever but like i'm like a mini version of him he shares his story growing up without a dad he's preaching and i just feel the presence of god i'm just like i'm just i'm hanging on every word because there's something different about that night and he he does an altar call and i go up even though i don't want to in like my flesh and what i care about people but something in me was compelling me and i went to the front he prayed for me and he just started speaking prophetically over me man in such a powerful way he was just praying for me and i felt god like it just, as soon as he put his hand on my shoulder i just felt god and he told me um young man i feel like you're supposed to do what i do i see so much of myself in you 
And he doesn't know that I grew up without a dad too. He doesn't know that I was connecting with his story. And he says, I feel like you're supposed to do what I do. The, the sharing the gospel with people, that's on your life, brother. Yeah. And he prayed for me, and that was the beginning of, like, me being like, wow, there's something for me other than what the path of my dad and my brother. There's right. something for me other than all the other things that fell. Right. There's something for me. And as I encounter God, later on, my youth pastor preached Jeremiah 29, 11, a couple weeks later, and I encountered Jesus. And I felt like I went to the altar, got prayed for, and I felt the Lord tell me, I know the plans I have for you. I've always known. Yeah. And he and I remember thinking of feeling aimless. And I was like, God, I'm going to fail high school. What am I going to do? And the Lord said, do you remember that prophetic word that your mom had for you? Mom, you remember that word you had that that prophet person gave you over me? My mom had this elaborate word that she was going to be in, like, the healthcare industry, taking care of elderly people. It was all recorded. Mine didn't get recorded, but it's all good. I still love you, Mom. <laughs> But she's doing that to this day. This is what she does. She ministers to elderly people. She does home health care. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the word was, Michelle, you have a son, a younger son. He's going to serve the Lord. He's going to go to three different countries as a missionary, and he's going to be a leader. He's going to serve the Lord. And my mom was like, yes, that's, I receive it. I was like in fifth grade at the time, and um, she told me that. And I was like, oh, that's cool, mom. Can we go to Blockbuster now? I want to rent another video game. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. And then at 17, at the altar, God's like, you remember that word about being a missionary, son? I've always had a plan for you. I felt the smile of the father. I felt like missionary. What does that word mean? I went and looked it up, talking to my youth pastor. It simply means sent one. Right. So it could mean sent to the nations, because that's what we think about with missions. And I felt the Lord tell me, you are a sent one. I'm sending you. And I felt called to America. I felt called to kids that looked and talked and thought like me to, to minister to them by just being myself. And that's what God started to do in me. And from that moment on, I burned for Jesus. So from 18 to 32, I've been on fire for him because he set me free from all of the worries and all the pains, man. <laughs> Bro. The best decision I ever made was to lay down all of my failed plans and to choose his plan, even at a young age. Come and on. he's been so faithful and brought me places I never thought I'd That's be, so and he's good. still doing it. Come on. Whew. That's amazing. Hey, you mentioned Jeremiah 29, 11. Yes. Let's go ahead. That's your passage. I, I ask every pastor when we do this, give, me a, give us a passage that connects your story and a word for this house. I just want, I want to jump into that real quick, and then we're going to do some things in a minute. But go ahead and share that. And share what kind of God gave you in that point before we close. Go ahead. Absolutely. I know a lot of people sometimes hear this verse and have taken it out of context on some prosperity type stuff. Like, oh, you don't worry. Your pain's going to end quickly. God's got a plan for you to prosper, not to harm you, hope in the future. People have preached this prosperity stuff and taken this verse out of context, right? I love that the real context of it is actually even more encouraging, Absolutely. in my opinion. Yeah. And in verse 10, it says this. If we, we got it up there. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years. Somebody say 70 years. 70 years. Somebody say that's a long time. Tap your neighbor, that's a long time. My goodness. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's God letting us in a little bit on how we're supposed to seek him and how faithful he is. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. He's talking to his people, literally. I will gather 
you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I carried you in exile. God carried them in exile. They were going into a tremendous season of suffering and pain. And despite that season they're going into, because previously in the scripture, they've had false prophets talking about, oh, don't worry, in two years it's going to be over. And people trying to prophesy falsely on some ear-tickling, nice type stuff. They were doing that. And guess what? What a mirror it is to today. People are preaching some prosperity, fluffy gospel type stuff that if you choose Jesus, everything's going to go perfect for you. You'll get rich. There's never been a more dangerous time to become a worship leader who does worship music. I've heard of people trying to get into worship just because it's a steady career path and they don't even love the Lord. But they know that there are churches that will hire them somewhere because they need somebody to lead a set and lead a band. How crazy is it that people are being fluffy today? So this hasn't changed. And you know what else hasn't changed? God's saying over us, despite the hard season that we're going into, just like them, I know the plans I have for you. So receive that today over your life, that despite the hard season you could potentially walking into right now or the suffering that you've been enduring, God says, I know the plans I have for you. They are to prosper you. They're not to harm you. They are to give you a hope in the future. He's going to see you through. His plans are better. And, I, and I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Like when we read this passage, um, his plans are better. His, it, it's something I said first service that, that just really struck me. And if, you, if you've been here most of the series or watched online, there's a common thread of uh, it, it's, it, God just loves people who surrender completely to him. He loves everyone, but, the, but there's something that God's able to do with someone that just says yes. And, you know, I think about this passage, right? He's saying, I'll give you hope in the future. I I have it. Not that I will give it to you if you do this, but I already have it planned. But you gotta know me to understand the plan. And that this plan is greater than any plan you'd ever think or imagine. And what's key is, and it's what I think is, it's God. What God thinks is prosperous. What God thinks is blessing. And so often in culture and society today, we confuse God's blessing and favor versus our blessing and favor. And then we get bitter with God because he doesn't give us what we expect us to get. What we in our secular mentality, our, our humanistic ideology, that's probably the proper theological word, our humanistic ideology of what success is. And God says, no, 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 lay that down at my feet. Because I promise you that my plan is greater than any plan or thought you would ever have. And that plan will get you through any suffering and any pain and any trial. And it will make sense of everything you've ever been through. If I, I love that. I've said this before on the stage that I love that the gospel not just saves us from something. But the gospel saves us to something. Yes, yes, yes. Do you understand? It doesn't just rescue you from your past but it also gives you a hope and a future. That's the beauty of biblical Christianity. Amen. And, and I want to close with this. What, what's that line that you have? And I, I want you to share that, 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 that point you had. Yeah, where you start doesn't determine where you finish. Yeah. That I should have probably been like my dad and like my brother, but actually it was because of my mom's yes to Jesus that right. shifted everything. Right. Parents, your yes to Jesus and you sewing in, driving them to youth nights, taking them to kids' church, all that, it matters. And it, there's fruit that will last and will come from it, from your sacrifice, from making a way for them. So her yes really started it. Right. 
and then from that place made the opportunity. She literally would tell me all the time, Juan, I'm doing everything I can. That way you can serve the Lord. So she'd rent me an extra video game, get me an extra pair of shoes. That way I wouldn't be on the streets, right? And made a way for me to say yes to Jesus. And so I honor her for that. I honor you for your sacrifice for that. And just know that despite that start that we may have, you could start in brokenness, you could start in whatever. Because we're in a fallen world. Things, we start off in brokenness and then sin. That doesn't determine where you finish. With Jesus, it all gets rewritten. The Bible says we become a new creation when we accept him, that the past and the old is gone and we're literally made new. So all of that brokenness that I felt from losing my dad and all of that path that I should have been on, all of that was wiped clean the minute that I accepted Jesus and his plan, it washed and made new. So for you today, despite... You could feel like you compare yourself to others, like, man, I don't have the opportunity that they had. I used to see some pastor's kids sometimes where dad, pastor would bring them on stage and give them all this opportunity. And I'm like, man, I don't got that. You know what I mean? And I had to let the Lord encourage me and say, stop comparing yourself. I know the plans I have for you. And I'll be your heavenly father. And I'll put you in places that no man or no earthly dad could have ever put you. Don't you worry about it. And he's saying that over you. So good. So good. Hey, listen, we're going to let you go in a minute, but do me a favor. Let's go ahead and stand up. Let's stand to our feet, everyone. And uh, one more time, can we give it up for Pastor Juan? One more time. One more time. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.